So, man, how was your morning? Bro, I was almost late. I at least hit 70 coming on the way in this morning. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. I definitely hit 75 because the Prius was screaming. <laughs> oh, this is like my third cup of coffee. I can't believe how tired I am. Five. This is number five right now. So the girls and me are going to lunch if you want to come. It's girls and I. Grammar matters, people! Oh. My. Word. Why does he always feel the need to interject? No one asks for his opinion. Ever. He is always one-upping everyone in the office. Well, hey, good morning. Welcome to Northridge Church. We're so honored to have you here this morning. How are we feeling this morning? Are we feeling good? Yeah. Well, I want to welcome all of our campuses at Webster, Greece, Henrietta, and here at Irondequoit, those of you who are watching online, and all of our guests here this morning. And I hope when you came to Northridge Church, it felt a little bit like a home, a place where you can connect with uh, people relationally and you can grow closer to God spiritually. And so thanks for choosing Northridge Church, and we're honored to have you here this morning, and welcome. And, you know, I think every one of us can relate to that video, because we all have people in our lives that drive us crazy. They, they know how to push our buttons. They know how to get under our skin. And if we're completely honest, we do everything we can. We strategize, we plan to avoid them, to stay away from them, to, to keep away because they're those people. And we all have those people in our lives that just simply drive us crazy. You know, my wife and I, we've been married for about 12 years. And we've developed a little bit of a strategy, a plan, some signals to help us avoid those people. And I'm going to walk you through some of those strategies. Actually, I can't because you might be one of those persons. <laughs> you know, every once in a while, it's kind of like an eye contact, like, babe, I need you. Help. Or, you know, if you ever see me talking to somebody being like, you know. You know what I'm saying now. So anyway, we all deal with those people. And this morning, we're starting a series called Those People because we all interact with difficult people, people that are hard to be in relationship with, and some are in our family, and so we can't get around the relationship. We can't avoid them because they're always there. And what's interesting about those people is, you know, why do they always seem to be there? You know what I mean? Like, you're like, okay, it's going to be a great time, and then there they are. It's like you can't get around them, no matter how hard you try to avoid them. And so we have to learn to deal with them. We have to learn how we navigate in relationships with difficult people. And that's what this series is all about. For the next four weeks, we're going to talk about four different types of people. And we already did a series on this. We did those people. This is season two because there's that many difficult people in life. And so who knows, we might get to season three before this thing's over, but we're going to talk about over the four, next, four, four weeks how to handle those people. And before we start, 
I kind of want to set a platform for this series. I want to remind you, as we approach this series, I want to remind you of two things. The first thing is, we all have that thing that makes us those people. In life, we all have that thing, that quirky thing about us that makes us those people. You see, the truth is, is you thought, man, over the next four weeks, it's going to be awesome. I can come hang out at church, and I can listen to a message and think about somebody else the whole time. Like, sounds amazing, doesn't it? But the problem is, is we are all those people. You know the very thing that drives you crazy about someone? It's the same thing that, for somebody else, drives them crazy about you. It's, it, we are all, for, for certain people, we are that person that just gets under their skin, that pushes their buttons, because we all have that quirky thing about us that drives people crazy. I think the second thing we have to understand about this series is what we often, what we see in others is often what we don't see in us. And that's so true. I mean, the very thing that drives me crazy about somebody else is often the same thing in me that drives somebody else crazy about me. And we miss it. We can't see it. We're blinded to it. And in this series, we're going to ask really two pointed questions, two pointed questions that come out of Matthew chapter 7. If you got your Bibles, you can turn there. Matthew chapter 7 is where we're going to be. It's kind of the theme verse for the next four weeks of this series. It's going to be on page 788 in the Northridge Bible if you want to follow along. And I'd encourage you to, to grab your program, take some notes. You might need this later in life or log into our app and you, can, you take notes there as well. Matthew 7, Jesus is talking about judging people. And he says this really important phrase. He says this, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take that speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. And so here Jesus says, hey, when you're navigating relationships, when you're dealing with people, difficult people, you first have to understand and you first have to ask the question, is that what I'm seeing in somebody else something that I'm dealing with personally? You know the very thing I don't like about that person? Is that something that somebody else actually might see in me? Because Jesus says, before you point your finger at anybody else, maybe you should start by looking at your life. But then secondly, he says, you might deal with people who are hard to deal with. They might have specks in their eye. And so the two pointed questions that we're going to ask in this series is one, are you dealing in a relationship, maybe with a coworker, maybe with your spouse or a good friend or a family member that is just really hard to deal with? How do we navigate that? But maybe the other question we have to ask is, am I dealing with this personally? Is this a plank in my life or is it a speck that I see in somebody else? And as we start this series, the first group of people that we're going to talk about, difficult people, are those proud people. The people in life who are dealing with this thing called pride. Pride is a slippery slope. It's, it's a dangerous thing. But I think we have to learn how to, to locate pride in people. I think we have to identify pride. What is pride? How do we define pride? Well, I, I like to say it like this. I think it's the simplest version. Pride is simply people who look at life through the lens of me first. Me first, like they think about themselves above everybody else. They, they, they look at life and they think about me, myself, and I. I matter more than anybody else. 
My opinions are best. What I do and what I purchase and what I deal with in life, I come at the top. And what's interesting about pride, the, the crazy thing about pride is it can look different in different people. Two people can struggle with pride and it will look completely different in them. In fact, I want to show you four ways that pride manifests, it manifests itself in people. And you might have interacted with these type of people. The first person I like to call that deals with pride, I like to call him the opinion giver. Anybody deal with an opinion giver? This is the type of person who, in life, they always share their opinion, whether you ask for it or not. It's the type of person that it doesn't matter what product it is or what circumstance you're going through, they always have something to say. The opinion giver. And the, the weird thing about this person is they don't view their opinion as an opinion. They view it as fact because they, they believe it's the best. The opinion giver. Hopefully you're not sitting next to one of them. The second person is what I like to call the one-upper. This is the person that drives me absolutely crazy. And the sad part is I find myself doing it all the time. This is the person that you tell an awesome story, they always have a better one. You ever deal with one of those? It looks like this, you know, like, oh man, I'm so excited. My little girl started walking at one years old. It, it seems early and they're like, that's amazing. But my daughter started walking at five months old. <laughs> Dude, that's not even possible. <laughs> or maybe it's like this, like, man, I'm so jazzed. I'm so pumped. I bought a brand new truck. It's amazing. And they're like, whoa, that's amazing. Me too, except I got the premium platinum package and I'm actually hauling my brand new boat with it. I will punch you in the name of Jesus. Hmm. Based on your laugh, I, I feel like you've dealt with the one-upper before. The third person that deals with pride is the person I like to call the entitled person. They walk through life thinking that the world owes them something. It doesn't matter if it's a business, an organization, or an individual. They believe that you owe them something because they're entitled. The fourth person is what I like to call the critical person. This is the person who believes they do everything better than you. And so it doesn't matter how good you feel about what you did, they will always find that one thing that you didn't do flawlessly. You know, your, your significant recipe that you cook on a regular basis, everybody tells you it's amazing. Well, when they try it, they're like, ooh, that was so good. But if you just added this, it'd be perfect. Yeah, I'll throw you in the oven. Sorry, I struggle with this too, okay? Like I'm working through it. The interesting thing about pride is the Bible talks a lot about pride. And I want you to know three things about what God's word says about pride. What's, what's, what's interesting about pride is the reason why we choose pride is we believe it makes us confident. It makes us strong. It, it builds us up. But the Bible teaches us it's the exact opposite. Pride appears to build you up, but ultimately it tears you down. You see, the reason why we choose pride is because we feel like, man, it, it builds us stronger. It makes us proud and confident. But really, the Bible teaches us that the, the pathway to, to pride is the pathway to destruction. Proverbs 16, it says this, pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. Here it shows us that if you actually want to fall, if you want to destroy some things in your life, choose pride because that's where it leads. Proverbs 21, it says, one's pride will bring him low. Isaiah 2.11, it says, the haughty looks of a man shall be brought low. And so the Bible makes it clear that although we think pride makes us confident and strong, ultimately what it does is it destroys things and it brings us and tears us down. 
The second thing we have to understand about pride is pride puts you on the wrong side of a powerful God. This is a warning call, really, from God's word that your most important relationship in life is your relationship with God. And pride actually puts you on the wrong side of a powerful and mighty God. James chapter 4, verse 6, it says this, God opposes the proud. Man, if that doesn't scare you a little bit, like, God opposes. I don't want to be on the opposite end of what God is opposing, but that's where pride puts you. Proverbs 16 says, everyone who is arrogant, another word for pride, in heart, is an abomination to the Lord. Again, strong verbiage where it shows you where when you step into pride, where that puts you in your relationship with God. I think the third thing we have to understand about pride is pride blinds you. It lies to you. It deceives you. People who deal with pride can't see who they truly are. What's so fascinating about pride to me is so many people who are living in pride actually think they're living in humility. And that's how scary pride is. That's how sneaky it is that I can actually think I'm being humble when really I'm just being proud. That's how good pride is. It deceives you. It blinds you. Galatians 6 verse 3, it says, for if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives, he lies to himself. Obadiah 1 verse 3, it says, the pride of your heart has deceived you. It's lied to you. So we have to understand these three things about pride. Although we think it builds us up, it tears us down. It puts us in a wrong place with our relationship with God, and it lies to us. It, It tells us we are something when we really aren't. And all throughout the Bible, we see people who who deal with this, just like we do. I mean, the Bible is not just an antiquated book. It actually is practical to our everyday living. I mean, we see groups of people that dealt with pride in the Bible. The first group is the Pharisees. The Pharisees were the religious leaders of the time. Their goal was to kind of be like a pastor or an elder of the church to to guide people, to, to lead them to the Old Testament law. And here in in Luke chapter 18, Jesus tells of a story of a Pharisee who was caught up in pride. It says this, to some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. So Jesus tells a story of a group of people who, who were prideful. It says, two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and I give a tenth of all that I get. So here you see this religious leader. This guy knew the Bible. He, he, He had the Old Testament probably memorized. He was probably a community group leader. And here he was on the outside, based on what he did, he looked really good. But here he is praying a prayer saying, God, I'm glad I'm better than everybody else because of what I do. And that's what pride does to us. It t- tells us, man, look at, look at them. I, I'm so much better than them. See, on the outside, sometimes we look really good. We know the Bible. We know the right things to do. But on the inside, pr- pride is tearing us down. Another group of people that dealt with pride is the people closest to Jesus, the disciples. These guys got to watch Jesus in, in humility. And look what it says in Luke chapter 9. It says, an argument started among the disciples as to which of them would be the greatest. I mean, here are the, the best friends of Jesus, the savior of the world, and they're all around a circle. Jesus is getting ready to leave, and they're like, hey, I'm gonna be the best. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm gonna be the best. 
And isn't that so much like us today? Like, I've never been in a, in, in a debate with my wife or with somebody arguing over who's going to be the worst. No, no, I know you stink, but trust me, I stink much worse. We, we, you, ever, you ever been in a, a fight like that in your marriage or in your dating relationships where you're just like, no, I'm, I'm worse than you. Trust me, I'm, I'm so much worse than you. No, we don't argue that way. We, we argue like the disciples. Hey, my pride tells me I'm better than you. And here the disciples were. They're arguing over who's going to be the greatest when Jesus is gone. Another example is in the Old Testament, King Rehoboam. He's a king. He's, he needs good advice, and so he seeks it in 1 Kings chapter 12. It says, then King Rehoboam consulted the elders who had served his father Solomon during his lifetime. How would you advise me to answer these people? So he's asking them, I need advice. Give it to me. They replied, if today you will be a servant to these people and serve them and give them a favorable answer, they will always be your servants. So their, their advice is, hey, serve the people. Look what Rehoboam, verse 8, it says, but Rehoboam rejected the advice the elders gave him. Why? Why would he do that? Because he's a king. And kings don't serve, they are served. And see, his pride told him that he was too elevated to love and to serve people, so he went a different direction. And all throughout the Bible, we see people who, who deal with the same things we deal with. Not a lot has changed thousands of years ago to today. We all still struggle with pride. And we have to ask two questions this morning. The first question you have to ask yourself is, is, am I dealing with someone in my life? Maybe it is my spouse. Maybe it is a good friend, a family member, a coworker that has a pride issue, and I don't know how to help them. How do I navigate this relationship? How do I deal with a prideful person? Or maybe the question you have to ask yourself this morning is, am I dealing with pride? Is this something that I'm struggling with personally? Is this a plank in my own eye that I can't see while I'm looking at everybody else? I mean, remember what Matthew chapter 7 says. It says, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? So let's start with the first question. Are you dealing with someone who is proud? Is your spouse proud? Is, is your, your, your friend proud? A person you go to college with? I, I don't know what, what relationships you have, but are you, are you trying to navigate through this relationship? How do I help somebody who is a proud person? Well, I want to give you a couple of warnings before I tell you how to handle that relationship. I think the first thing we have to understand when we deal with proud people, we have to understand that pride is contagious. Pride is contagious. It's much like the flu. You know, in Rochester, I'm not really sure if the flu season really ever ends. It's kind of like winter, you know? I've decided winter is one of those people. It just lingers around. It won't leave you alone. I'm angry, okay? This is what's happening to my flowers. I wore this shirt because it has black flowers. I had beautiful flowers in my garden. Now they're all dying because it snowed. So, I mean, how do you deal with a, a, a proud person? Well, you have to understand that pride is contagious. And you got to be careful because it's really easy when you interact with someone who's proud to become proud yourself. It's really easy when you, you deal with a coworker who's proud or you deal with a spouse that's proud. It's really easy for that to become contagious. It's much like the flu. And I don't know about you, but when it comes to the flu in our house, in my house, we do anything and everything to avoid the flu at all possible. I have drank more of those little vitamin C tablets that are orange than I probably should. Everything coming out my body has a little hint of orange in it. I know that's TMI. I apologize. I'm on a roll this morning. 
My wife makes these green gunky juices and she says, hey, if you drink this, it will keep you healthy. You'll stay away from the flu. I'm like, okay, give me three. And like, we all do that. Some of us, we don't go to church for the whole winter because we're like, I don't want my kids interacting with those kids. And, and we don't send our kids to school because we try to avoid the, the flu at all costs. And that is how we should be with pride. And that's what we have to be careful of. When we deal with somebody who is dealing with a, a pride issue, we have to be very careful that it doesn't seep into us. And here's what I would say to you. The pride you see in them, don't allow it to surface in you. The pride you see in that person who is driving you crazy, don't let that pride to sneak up in your life. Because here's how we respond to pride. We respond, our natural response to pride is pride. So when someone says to us, when someone tells us an amazing story about their life, guess what we want to do? We want to tell them how much better our life is. Or if we don't do that, we think about them. I couldn't believe they, they would say that about themselves. That's proud. <laughs> That's proud, actually. And so we, 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 we respond to pride with pride. And so we have to be careful. It's contagious. And we can't allow the problem in them to surface in us. So the question is, how do you help somebody who's dealing with pride? Well, here's what I would tell you. I'd tell you to do two things in one sentence. We learn to love them in the midst of their struggle, and we model for them a better way. We love them in the midst of their struggle, in the midst of their pride, and we model, we show them a different route to take. I love what 1 Peter chapter 4 says. It says this, above all, pretty powerful words, above all, love each other deeply. Love each other deeply when it gets hard, when they're difficult. Why? Because love covers over a multitude of sins. Love covers a multitude of sins. And so, I mean, you're dealing with a difficult person. Our, our natural reaction is to avoid them. End the relationship, like bail on them. And maybe the first thing we should choose to do is to love them. How do you love a difficult person? Will you pray for them? God, help them see the thing they're struggling with. And then you pray for yourself. God, give me the strength and the endurance and the perseverance to keep doing the right thing, to swallow my pride, to push my pride down, and to actually love them. And then secondly, you, you show them a different way. Instead of stepping into pride and allowing that to surface in you, you show them what humility looks like. Notice I, what I didn't say. I didn't say to, to call that person out. You know, what we love to do with, with, with proud people is we like to tell them that they're proud. And let me, know, let, me, let, let me know how that goes. You should try that this week with your spouse or, you know, with your best friend. Just tell them, hey, did you know you're proud? Did you know that all you think about is you, yourself, and I? Go ahead and try that strategy. Let me know how it works. You'll come back next week. Because I, when, you, when you call somebody out like that, when you point your finger at somebody, it never works the way we think it's going to. But what if we actually chose to love that person in the midst of their struggle and actually show them a better way? If we would just model for people what humility looks like, it actually might convince that person that maybe they're struggling with something that they haven't seen in a while. And so we show them a better way. But maybe the question that we have to ask today is, am I dealing with pride? Are you dealing with pride? Is this a plank that I, I can't see in my own life? And probably for all of us, we deal with pride. I mean, if you heard that question, am I dealing with pride, and you said no, it's probably a good indication you're dealing with pride. So how do we, over, how do we deal with pride? And, and maybe this week, you just ask this simple question. I think this is a really telling and revealing question for all of us, is we ask this question, how am I putting myself first? 
Maybe you, maybe you marinate on that question all week long. You examine your life and, and everything you do, you, you, you look through the lens of, man, am I thinking about myself when I do this? Maybe you talk about it in your community groups when you get together with your, your people and you ask them, like, hey, how do you see me putting myself first? If you're not in a community group, let us know. We'll get you plugged in. But let me ask you this. How in your marriage with your children at the office while you're driving are you putting you first? How are you in your relationships and in what you purchase and what you buy saying, my life is more valuable than anybody else's? How are you putting yourself first? I think if you actually ask that question and you take it seriously, you'd be surprised at what you find out. And maybe for some of you, you can't even answer that question because your pride has gotten so large that you'll walk out of here and be like, I I don't do that at all. I put everybody else before me. And maybe you should ask someone close to you. Maybe you should ask your spouse, your best friend, your family member, ask them to be honest with you. How do you put yourself first? And don't get defensive when they tell you the truth because it might actually just shatter your pride. So how do we win the battle with pride? How do we model it for others and how do we deal with it inside our own hearts? And we have to understand what the cure is to pride. Humility is the antidote to pride. Humility is the exact opposite of pride. In fact, pride means me first. You know what humility means? It means me last. It's where we choose to put others above ourselves. It's when we choose to value someone else's life more than we value our life. I mean, look what Luke chapter 14 says. It says this, when you are invited, take the lowest place. Take the lowest place. I mean, that's that's so opposite of what our culture teaches That's so opposite of the way we live. We we are so busy trying to get to the highest place. In corporate America, we're trying to to, to grow the ladder, to climb up the ladder. We're always in our lives trying to be the best. And that's not a bad thing. But sometimes we need to watch out for pride and say, hey, how can I put somebody else before me? How can I serve somebody else other than me? Because that's what humility is. And what's interesting about the Bible is when it talks about pride, it often includes a but, and then it talks about humility. Look what Proverbs chapter 11 says. It says, when pride comes, then comes disgrace. But with the humble is wisdom. James 4, 10, it says, humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. Man, here's the amazing thing about that verse. It says, you know the very thing you're looking for when you step into pride is you're looking to build yourself up. And, and God actually says, actually, if you would drop your pride and you would humble yourself, guess what? You don't need to build yourself up because I will do it for you. I will exalt you and you won't be shaken because I'll be holding you up. Proverbs 29, it says, he who is lowly in spirit will obtain honor. James 4, 6, it says, God opposes the proud but he gives grace to the humble because humility is the antidote to pride. And we need to learn to model it for ourselves and for other people. But if humility is the cure, that that sounds amazing. That sounds great. It's, It's one thing to walk out of here with the cure, but we have to know how we digest it, how our bodies can take it in. And what does it look like practically to live out humility? Like, how can I leave here today knowing exactly what I need to do in the next week and the week after that? And I wanna give you two things. Practical steps of humility. The first thing I think we have to learn is to serve. We have to learn to serve. Because when you serve someone, you place the priority on them and not you. When you learn to serve, you say, you matter more than me. And maybe this week it looks like husbands 
serving your wives and wives serving your husbands. I mean, could you imagine what your marriage would look like if you said, hey, I'm not gonna worry about my needs. I'm actually gonna worry about your needs more. I'm gonna serve you. My goal as a husband, my goal as a wife is to serve my spouse. I'm telling you, God would take your marriage to a whole nother level. What about your bosses, coworkers? And what about bosses, your coworkers and coworkers to your bosses? What if in that relationship you learn to serve each other? What about with parents to your kids? Parents, you learn to serve your kids and kids, you learn to serve your parents. What about outside in the community? What if we learn to serve people who, who don't have as much as we do, who are homeless and we get to know them and we serve them and we understand that it's different than what we thought? Because when we serve people, we ultimately place the value on them and not us. And that is humility. I mean, Jesus sets that example for us. The Bible says in Philippians chapter two, you should read it this week. Philippians chapter two says, Jesus, who was God, who deserved to be served, he made himself nothing. He humbled himself and he didn't come to be served, but he came to serve. And he served every single one of us on that cross when he died for our sins, making a place for us. Humility and flesh was Jesus. So we learn to serve. I think the second thing is we learn to listen. We learn to listen. Maybe one of the most humbling things that we need to step into today is actually stop talking and start giving people our ears. Because when we say, hey, you know what, I, I don't care about my opinion. I wanna hear what you have to say. When, when, we, when we say to somebody, hey, what do you think? Because I value what you think in this circumstance, in, in, the, in this situation. We learn humility. And here's the crazy thing about listening is, is when you listen, you can't voice your criticism. When you listen, you can't one-up somebody. When you listen, you can't give your opinion. When you listen, you can't be entitled because you've placed the value in somebody else's words. What if we just stopped and listened? We humbled ourselves enough not to run our mouth, but to listen to somebody else's. See, humility practically looks like serving others and listening to others placing the value on their life instead of ours. Me last instead of me first. And here's what happens. When we choose to serve and when we choose to listen, here's what it does, is it keeps you and I from being those people. And it models for those people a better way. So what if this week we chose in our office what if this week we chose in our marriage? What if this week in our dating relationships? What if this week in, 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 in our school, we chose to serve others and to listen to others? And if we do that, we will model a better way for those people and God will keep us from becoming those people. Let's pray. God, thanks so much that your word is, is so relevant written thousands of years ago, and yet 2019, it speaks directly to what we're dealing with today. And God, in my life, I've, I've dealt with proud people and I've been a proud person. And God, I pray first and foremost for me personally, God, that you would rid any pride that is in me, that you would teach me humility and what that looks like to love and to serve other people. 
And God, as we deal, as we navigate relationships with hard people that are proud, may we show them our love and may we show them a better way. May we model humility for them and may it be the solution that begins to open their eyes to their struggle. God, we're gonna need your help in this journey because it's hard to, to, to deal with hard people. It's easier just to avoid them. It's easier just to, to run from them. And so I pray that you'd give us the endurance and the perseverance to love them in the midst of their struggle. In Jesus' name.